It's a grizzly. Should we get out of here? No. We're gonna watch and listen. Welcome, Denise, Eric, Mark, Roger, Luna. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rolling the Bones Around the Cage with Val. Hello there. How are you doing, Val? I'm doing well. Uh, very, very hot outside Detroit, Michigan, 91, 92 degrees. And I'm very, very excited today because we have we have the Mr. Russell Easterbrooks. And, you know, I, I missed that last um, interview with him because of uh, some illness or something that came up. But I'm very glad to see him back on today. Standing Stones, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so give everybody an update and give you an update and everything. So we had Operation uh, Stealth Camera in play. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have got the cameras out in the woods. I've got scars all over my legs. And uh, i got GPS coordinates on all these cameras. Now, don't forget, these cameras have got different IRs and non-IRs and and uh, so we're going to see how this works. And, yes, I put a bunch of tape out as well. Uh, so the person that went with me, <laughs> uh, when I got the roll of tape out and was, like, putting it from tree to tree, she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, just trying to collect some evidence. And uh, but when I start rolling the tape from, like, uh you know, from the dispenser of the gun, right? I don't know, was there 80, 90 yards on a roll of tape from the packing shipping place? A lot. A lot. Well, so I, I ended up using a couple of rows. So, uh, but I, I got a lot of cameras out. I'm going to put some more out tomorrow. So, hello, Tammy Johnson and everybody. Liana, welcome. And Mark, uh, welcome to the show. So, we're going to see what we get. I'll probably get nothing. Right. But I, I've got it to where I'm trying to funnel everything or anything into an area, just in case if they do see IR or whatnot. And some of it's not IR related. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. You know, I mean, I get anything. I don't know. So who knows? This is close to that area that you posted a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, um, that's a, a half a mile from that area. Yeah. Yes. You, should see, you should be able to pick up something, so, something but, interesting. But, uh, man, it was like the woods was overgrown. It, you know, it looked like Vietnam. So, but, yeah. You know, you know my, one of my concerns uh, when I used to go out to the state parks is the um, chemical that they're spraying on these on the agricultural fields. You walk into that stuff, and I think I mentioned that before. It's the same chemical that's advertised on television. Jump to the phone and call your attorney. You know, if you've got oh yeah, right. you know what I'm talking about. It's right, a defoilant. Yeah. It's a defoilant agent similar to that used in Vietnam, and it's very nasty. 
but you know, with those kind of hazards and the um, unexpected uh, hitchhikers, you know, the chiggers and that kind of stuff that you bring home, um, that's not that's not real appeasing to me. I'll tell you that. Well, I, let me tell you something. Now, I, I did spray myself down, so if there were any Bigfoot around, they went, here comes Grizzly, because they knew mm -hmm. I was wearing Dove baby powder, right? Mm -hmm. So It had to be Dove. Yeah, and it had to be Dove baby powder. So, <laughs> baby scent, or whatever it's called. Yeah, they're saying Paraquat and Roundup, yes. Mm -hmm. So, That's hello, exactly right. uh, Johnny. Welcome to the show. Uh, but, uh, they knew that I was, that they, they, they knew that I was already, already in the woods. So they had, yeah, why to. don't you try, why don't you experiment with that, uh, goat, um, you know, they make soap, soap out of uh, goat product. Um, and it's got the burnt wood smell to it. So it's kind of a manly smell, musk smell. Try that. You might get an attraction there. Well, you know what I thought about doing? <laughs> I said this on another show. I thought of just going to rub peanut butter all over my body and just run through the woods. There you go. Put that little that that that's for you, Brian. I had to say it. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's let's bring Russell in since uh, we missed him last time. Russell, welcome to the show, sir. How you doing? Nice to have you, Russell. Introduce yourself. Well, that's who I am, <laughs> Russell East Brooks. <laughs> Hi, Russell. Hi, Val. Yeah, it's, I'm. A, uh, I'm. A, I'm kind of a Bigfoot uh, Sasquatch person. I'm mm -hmm. interested in the history and uh, do a lot of. Uh, uh, it's. It's. I guess you would call it research. I. I look into um, similarities from uh, you know what we see in in past accounts mm -hmm. and going quite far back as as far back as i can um i've been uh, working on a book that i'm, I'm working on right now mm. and i'm doing a lot of work with the hudson bay company and what their effects may have been to uh sasquatch living in those areas where they built their forts mm -hmm. i'm also uh looking into the history about the gold rush and how that may have affected uh, the sasquatch Mm -hmm. um, obviously, first in California, um, British Columbia, and then in the Yukon. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot, a, lot, a lot of interesting history um, that I try to mix in with uh, um, seeing how it would would affect, possibly could affect uh, Sasquatch living in the area. So Yes. Uh -huh. Now, you got an interest in, in um, Indian mounds and that sort of thing? Uh, I have some, yep, on the, the giants that were buried on some of those. I have some interest mm -hmm. in that, yep. Mm -hmm. Now, now, as you, as you know, we've we, we've spoken before, Russell. Uh, yeah. My interest and in forte is in uh, Bigfoot Sasquatches, not so much Indian mounds. However, um, Indian mounds uh, themselves were quite prevalent throughout the Great Lakes area, all the way down to the Kentucky area. Thank you very much, Grizzly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of counties in Michigan 
that uh, still have remnants of those Indian mounds this day, mm-hmm. today. And um, one of the interesting finds that I that I located was in a county uh, classified as South Southeast Michigan in Jackson County. There was a uh, police officer, a 1920s police officer, who was preparing a garden in his own backyard when he dug up uh, skeletal remains of a 12-foot skeleton with black hair, still wow. still attached to the uh, uh, body itself. So, you know, as testament. And another thing that, that really interested, uh, interested me about this was the fact that um, several several centuries ago in early uh, Michigan, because I am from Michigan, um, the three of the largest um, Indian groups at that time, the Ottawa, Potawatomi, and Ojibwa, uh, oh, yeah. came together at the request of the Ottawa, who uh, called these groups together, these large groups. Lar- these, these are large nations, nation groups yeah. within the state and asked them to form an alliance with them. The reason was because of the prairie people. Are you familiar with the prairie people, Russell? A little bit. I, uh, I've actually heard you speak of them before, mm-hmm. and I did acquire a book uh, that talks about them, and I've just mm-hmm. started looking into it. So mm-hmm. I don't know that much, but I am mm-hmm. I, I am familiar with them. Um, in, in so so far as what you've uh, read, have they described the prairie people at all? Are the prairie yep. people the same as uh, are they say the same as what you call as giants? Um, they called them. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know that they've referred to them as giants. Mm-hmm. They, they mentioned that they were tall. Mm-hmm. Now. I haven't got through the whole book. Yet, yeah, so. yeah. I, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to to know what you what you learn once you finish the book. So maybe yep. we'll just chat again about that. Yeah, uh, I'll let you know. From from my understanding, from what I got out of this, was the uh, Indian chief, the Ottawa, uh, appealed to these other groups to form an alliance, and their mission was to annihilate, exterminate the prairie people who he claimed were as thick in numbers as the leaves on the trees. You know, back Um, a hundred years ago, just a hundred years ago, even 200 years ago in the Great Lakes, there wasn't, there wasn't 10 million people. There were 20 million people, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, uh, all the way down to Kentucky. Uh, there wasn't that many people. There was a lot of wilderness, a lot of undeveloped uh, land. So when, and I, and I realized that uh, when people speak, um, their words are exaggerated a little bit. But imagine, imagine how many of those prairie people or giants um, there were to to cause this man to be so concerned that we're going to go we're going to join together 
ally together and we're going to exterminate this group because they're evil. They eat people. They destroy people, our people. That's what they were concerned about it. Right. Um, there was something uh, going on that would cause such concern that this mass of, of humanity would, would get together and decide that this is what we have to do. We have to, we have to destroy them. We have to war against this. Right. I've not talked to a whole lot of people that have any knowledge on this, Russell. And yeah. uh, what I want to know is, are these the same people that were uh, mining the upper peninsulas of Michigan, the ore? For copper. For, and to make brass out of. You know, right. There was a yeah. lot of there's a lot of brass uh, mentioned over and over again in these in these mounds that were opened up by right. by a lot of the farmers and stuff, the private yep, farmers. Correct. Yeah. So it's very very interesting, and I there's don't also, know. There's also some mention of uh, the copper coming from that area was, yes. was found mm -hmm. in Egypt, which yes. is quite interesting. Well, uh, you know some of these old. Um, archived newspapers and i think as a private investigator i used to subscribe to to one of them and they boasted over a billion newspaper articles wow. and, and to me you know as a private investigator uh it was very interesting to me because uh, you know depending on what i was looking at what i was looking for i mean you can go back years and Absolutely. if they made the if anybody made the news I'd be able to pick up little bits and pieces of, of uh, who is who, who they're married to, who they're related to, who their friends were, who was with them when something happened. All right. of these little things, these little tidbits and stuff. But um, in, in some of those older uh, archived newspapers, uh, they mentioned, in fact, um, artifacts that date back to uh, ancient Egypt as well as ancient Rome. Can you imagine? Particularly in the, excuse me, <coughs> particularly in the uh, Grand Canyon area. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of this stuff. Another, uh, another uh, point of interest to me looking at the mounds was uh, when I look at these things, I look for repeating patterns and confluences, mm -hmm. things that repeat themselves. When I'm looking at when I'm looking at one article or, or uh, two reports, I'm looking at repeating patterns that happen right. over and over again. Yep. Exactly. And what I noticed that um, in, in, in some of these uh, articles or reports, uh, they describe the condition and the position of the remains. Mm -hmm. And um, I've noted in, in a few of these uh, the remains are, are positioned so they face the east. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Um, no. Probably for the rising sun. Is the Mecca in the is the Mecca in the eastern part of the world? Um, it is. Yeah, and, that, that, and, yeah, that would and, be true. And uh, is there any tie, any connection between the two? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just uh, throwing that out there to, you know, yeah. for thinkers. There, there probably is, but it's mm -hmm. like it would take some 
take some research to try to find the connection. Yeah, there's got to be a reason for for uh, interring somebody um, like that. In my mind, there's always a reason for something. Absolutely, yeah. There's usually, <laughs> there's usually a reason for everything that goes on. It's like uh, somebody somebody mentioned Johnny. Thank you. Johnny mentioned that Egypt is in the east, would be considered the east, which is true. Uh, east to anywhere in, in uh, America, certainly. Right. But yep. um, yeah, that's to me, those are interesting, interesting uh, points and stuff. That, that well, I, I have one for you. I have yes? one for you. Okay. Have you ever heard okay. of the term Maddox? Repeat that. It's the term that was used by um, the indigenous people of British Columbia. They used the term Matlocks, M-A-T-L-O-X. Mm -hmm. And that was their description of what sounds like a Sasquatch. Wow. I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah I, I figured no. you hadn't. <laughs> no, no, but you know what, you know what put me off uh, step here was was that word. And my wife and I were just speaking about this over breakfast this morning when I got yeah. up. And, but she was saying that, uh, you know, some of her relations that I didn't know, that she didn't know, that she doesn't know, are Maddox, M-A-D-D-O-X. Oh, and and, and to, to your to uh -huh. your uh, knowledge, Grizz, um, her relatives, her cousins in Minnesota, are related to Shorts S O S H O R T from Kentucky. That they've never met, really, never, ever. Yeah, and those are related to Martins M A R T I N S. Yep. Isn't that, I mean, we look at, we look at the world that we live in and we think, hmm, you know, this is a big world, but really, uh, really, uh, you really don't know, understand how vast and, and how small your network is because there's a lot of people that you don't know that you very, you're very well related to. You don't know it right. until you talk to them and stuff. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, well, I, the uh, the reference to it is in a book. Um, it was um, from dated 1792, mm -hmm. and it was the uh, the Spanish ship, the Mexicana, mm -hmm. which was doing uh, uh, exploration of, of the British Columbia coast and all the inlets and everything. Now, on see, ship, but on board the ship, there was a gentleman. His name was. Uh, um, Jose. Now, don't say Zavala. <laughs> don't, don't say Zavala. <laughs> You're going to make me fall off this chair here. Uh, Jose Marino Mo Monzano. Yeah, I'm sounds, probably butchering that, but <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds Hispanic to me. But um, uh, it's it's it, beyond it, me that the Spanish even made it that far north. I didn't believe you know, uh, Florida, yes. Louisiana, yes. Texas, yes. California, yes. But I had no idea that they were they were that far north, you know, British Columbia. Not at all. What his job was on board the ship was to document everything that he could 
um, when they met the indigenous people. And also he was the artist that was responsible for drawing pictures of animals, birds, mm -hmm. fish, and uh, plant life. So he was a busy person. Um, and he, he had a journal and this book is, is from his journal, mm -hmm. um, about 150 pages that he talks mm -hmm. about during the uh, time they were exploring that area between 1790 and, and around 1798. And, uh, he's got a, a, a little bit of a, just a couple of sentences here. I'd like to read. Sure. And it says, uh, and I quote, I do not know what to say about Maddox, inhabitant of the mountainous district of whom all have an unbelievable terror. The image, his body is very monstrous, all covered with stiff black bristles, has a head like a human, has long arms, feet, toes and fingers and then uh and then the this part was really interesting he states that there again this is a quote from his his ledger he says his shouts there again he's speaking about maddox mm -hmm. his shouts alone they say he's talking about the uh, indigenous people mm -hmm. Force those who hear the sound to the ground. Mm -hmm. Wow. So to me, that kind of sounds like infrasound to me. Yeah. Right to, you know, to, 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 to whatever the sound is that this, uh, this thing gives off uh, drives these people to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So people yes. I've talked to that, you know, have had been zapped with the mm -hmm. infrasound mm -hmm. um they get weak knees and they mm -hmm. often uh, lose balance and fall onto the ground so mm -hmm. um i just thought that was really interesting for that period of time 1792 mm -hmm. that could mm -hmm. be the first reference that's actually documented that may describe um infrasound but it's interesting I figured you, maybe you hadn't heard of it, so no, I, I was <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right, and I, I and I thank you for that, Russell. Um, what I've got to keep in mind when when I hear this <clears throat> is, um, I think you I think this dates back to the 1700s. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So we're yeah. we're. <clears throat> we're listening to a description of words spoken by an individual of the in the 1700s of that time trying right. to explain um this this uh sasquatch bigfoot sasquatch now as far as infrasound goes um you, you know, people could be driven to their knees by fright, That's not necessarily true infrasound. Yeah. Yeah, infrasound. It, it definitely could be. Yes, infrasound. And, and the, book, and the yes. book was all done in in Spanish, and then it yes. was, and then it was uh, um, done in um, translated into English. So exactly, there could, could be 
the the wording i know what you're talking about wording mm -hmm. from the, that particular time period they use some mm -hmm. different words than we use mm -hmm. today so that may account for some of the uh in in translation where they would have eliminated some of that yes uh but words lost in, in, words and expression lost in in translation right um, yeah lost in translation <laughs> yeah now now but i, I would uh, lean more towards infrasound though the, the the way the way they described it mm -hmm. from my point of view mm -hmm. yeah it, it, there again it's a, it's just an interesting way that he spoke about it uh, mm -hmm. it was based on how the indigenous people described it to him so mm -hmm. you know we don't know how that translation went either mm -hmm. but you know just to hear him mention the sound that it makes, mm -hmm. uh, making people fall to the ground. It's well, just, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. But you're right. They, they yeah. could be in fright. They could be like worshiping mm -hmm. it too or something. They mm -hmm. could be, mm -hmm. there could be any number of other things, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it, it's certainly interesting to, uh, to come across something like that and then, you know, consider what the possibilities are for it. And, uh, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that they employ that that uh, capability. And I say this, I say this as a novice, as an amateur um, uh, researcher, if 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 you want to call it that, uh, or an experiencer. Personally, I know I know what I felt um, during my encounter, and and there were more than one. This was multiple animals in a group that I'm looking at, that I'm close to, and um, I think I've mentioned it before in in recounting that that in, that uh, experience. Uh, I felt as though I was being drained of my energy. Like right. it was being sucked right out of me. And then I felt uh, fatigued. I felt as yep. though I could lay right down here. But I knew if I laid down, I wouldn't get up. <laughs> and, and um, but on the other hand, I'll remind you that in a lot of cities across the U.S., they use infrasound in emergency first responder audible sirens. Right. That's to help you stay alert and. And, and understand that there's something coming through that intersection. You need to be caution, uh, be cautious. And um, infrasound, to an extent, can be very, very harmful. Do you know right. that? Yeah, yeah, it can be. And especially it, as it, the frequency gets lower, tends to mm -hmm. be where it's more dangerous. Yes. Uh, wind turbines, the great big wind turbines out there, are. Yes. they are notorious for putting out a, a, a very um borderline dangerous uh, infrasound mm -hmm. um, yeah they can they can you know at certain levels they can right. destroy and damage our internal organs correct yep and we know the military is fooled with it somewhat too mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um so you know that there's a lot out there we don't know for sure but it, but we do know that there are some dangerous aspects to it for sure exactly exactly now um you're probably aware that uh there have been little reports little snippets of reports of of uh government people who went down to 
Havana, Cuba, and have been hurt, damaged by yes. something, you know. Yes. We have to we have to suspect that that's infrasound, microwave, something. Yeah, neuro uh, neuro neurologically. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Some, some kind of damage, right? Yes, exactly. And um, uh, we know if 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 you're a uh, a reader, uh, just reading the Military Times and and those magazines and stuff, we know that uh, somebody has been testing uh, the sound weapon, you know, as as a weapon, using sound right. as a weapon. You put those two together, and uh, the the idea of infrasound incapacitating people to some degree is very very real. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, there's there's a uh, there's a well known um, podcast uh, a guest by the name of Carrie Cassidy who has who has often frequently brought a guest on from the military who um, I think he, I think his rank was a major who mm -hmm. absconded with a Bigfoot. This guy was, was a, uh, a very learned uh, member of academia besides the fact that he was in military. But when you're in military, <clears throat> uh, your heart and soul is, is part of military. You ask right. them for permission to do stuff. Right. You follow orders. He takes he takes this this uh, specimen, this Bigfoot Sasquatch that that he's been studying because he's an anthropologist by mm -hmm. training. The very fact that this military officer uh, was studying Bigfoot Sasquatch. Remember, this is a myth that doesn't exist. You look at these reports, you look yeah. at the reports in law enforcement, it's a myth. It's a bear. Right. So, but the military knows otherwise, apparently, or they wouldn't have an anthropologist assigned Correct. to big footery. Right. Um, so at some point, uh, the major uh, claims that, that he communicates with the Sasquatch. And he took the Sasquatch out of the country. And um, according to him, I mean, he said he's, he, you know, he's he, he said some pretty profound things that I did not know or did not even think about. But he was saying, you know, once in a while on these Facebook group sites, you see people uh, uh, questioning, asking how long their their lifespan is and stuff. <clears throat> according to him, they may live 300 years or so. And wow. uh, there's there's more males than females, according to him. And in spite of the fact that he's in another country uh, with this with this uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch, um, he claims that it is able to communicate with others wherever whatever state this this came from, whatever state that he took it from, it's able to communicate with them. Across time and space, it's able to communicate with him. So, uh, is that him. Okay. yeah? Well, with 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 that, uh, that Sasquatch is able to communicate with other Sasquatches as though they were talking on a cell phone. Hello, oh. this is where I'm at. I want to go home. I want to go back home. Yeah. 
it wants to go back home. Um, this is some of the things that he said. Um, wow. So um, it goes back to, is, is there infrasound? Is, is there really infrasound? There is something, there is something that, that for, look at it like this, pragmatically, there's no reason in the world why, why a big military, big government, big country would, would devote time and money into research like that if there wasn't something in it for somebody. There's Correct. an industry out there that makes money from, from, from uh, research and development. Yep, yep. Absolutely. So, so ask yourself again whether or not there's any such thing as infrasound. That, that'll answer your question. Right. Yeah. You know, people don't throw away money. Well, take that back. I was going to say people don't throw away money for for garbage, but they do. They do. Especially right. if it's not theirs. It, yes, right. It's tax dollars. So <laughs> there's 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 something about Bigfoot's Sasquatches that... Uh, People with with lots of lots of bread want to develop. They know, right. um, yeah. and that's and, why they're keeping it keeping it away from you know uh, the uh, bones and stuff that the Smithsonian has gathered mm -hmm. up has has gone into a black hole in their in their uh, you know storage building somewhere because they don't know where it is anymore and. Um, you know, and we we saw things like it at the uh, uh, the eruption of Mount St. Helens. We know mm -hmm. that they came there and they picked up some bodies and took them away. They got there again. The government was it was uh, very uh, um, interested in getting that stuff picked mm -hmm. up and out of there um, before you know anybody else was able to see it to speak mm -hmm. of. So you know, the, mm -hmm. all of this is done for a reason. Uh, they don't do it just for you know their health. I mean, they're they're, mm -hmm. they're doing this for a reason, and it, and it could be that you're you're right that the, some of the uh, research that they have done has brought forth something that they want to keep under wraps at least for the time being, while they see if they can develop it or use it or sell it or whatever. Uh, you called it. You called it. Uh, keep it under wraps, and I call it exploiting. Okay. <laughs> uh, research and development is exploiting. That's exactly what that is for money, for right. pay, for bread. Um, yeah, that's 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 quite interesting. Um, it is. It you know, w when we go down that road, there's a lot of stuff like that 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 uh, that we don't know. Right. But on the other hand, it. As long as in our generation, in our time here on this earth, when we when we look and talk about these kind of things, these people calling these things myths, even though we know that they do it tongue in cheek, right? They know, they and know. We know, and it and it just makes the whole thing foolish and, and silly, because so many people know the the yeah. cat's out of the bag. So many people know. You yeah. may as well just come clean on it and yeah. say, "Yeah, and they, you know." And they should. I mean, 
right now they're coming clean with the, the UFO stuff and they're throwing that out there and and uh, there again they're just throwing little bits and pieces and, mm -hmm. and just just enough to you know to keep everybody thinking in the way that they want you to think so mm -hmm. um, now Russell I I don't know that I that we talked about this in the past because we've had a very very long discussion in the past yep but have you heard of the Miller document? The Miller document? No, I have Miller, not. The, the Miller document. No. Uh, the way the way this goes is is uh, this Doctor Harold uh, somebody somebody Miller M I L L E R uh, graduated from Yale. I I believe it was Yale University. Um. You know, it's an Ivy League school, correct? And, and, and a lot of mystique surrounds that particular university. And so, uh, this individual somehow his papers it it read the document that I read uh, was posted online a couple years ago, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, and uh, it read like a dying declaration. That's what it read to me the way I have read it and the way I understood it because nobody in their right mind um, with that kind of background, with that kind of knowledge would leave this stuff laying around for anybody to pick up and read. Right. Therefore um, the experts in the, in the Bigfoot community were, were very quick to call it a hoax and a fraud and a fake and you know, this, that, and the other Larry Moe and a Curly, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. So um, the way the way this document reads, uh, he he first starts out with the fact that I went to this college, I went to this university, I graduated, I got involved in um, anthropology. I believe I believe it was. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hired by the government. I went to work for the agriculture U.S. I think it was the U.S. Agricultural Department. Uh, my specialty was animals or anthropology. Um, and when I was employed there, I was sent down to, to uh, Texas in, in the mid to early, early to mid uh, 1960s on a report of uh, these uh, Bigfoot Sasquatches. He didn't call it that. He had another name for it, Norteno something, right? whatever it was, uh, had attacked and in, in and killed some people. Um, he referenced, I believe he referenced um, I believe he referenced uh, Lauren Coleman, well-known crypto figure. Right. If he yep. did if he didn't, then then I'm I'm mishmashing things that I know with uh, his his um, his uh, part in this document. And um, um, apparently a couple soldiers in California were overheard. One of them was from Texas. They were overheard about this Bigfoot uh, incident in Texas. Quietly, uh, he is sent down there to, to look into this. And um, he starts, he starts, uh, he starts out by saying, yeah, these, these things uh, uh, that live down there in Texas, and he describes it. 
uh, were similar to the one that um, that we found in in the Pacific Northwest, in particular Washington. Uh, again, in the late mid to late nineteen uh, sixties, I believe, or seventies, okay. yeah. uh, there was a large electrical storm in which a tree fell, and I believe uh, Sasquatch was up in the tree, whatever, and it was killed. So now they have a specimen. So he was sent from Texas up to the Pacific Northwest to study this and, and come back and report on it. So now he, he had a, uh, a Texas, a Norteño uh, Sasquatch, Celebus something, something. I have the document. Uh, and now he, he's got another one that he labeled Pacific, uh, whatever, whatever that uh, 15 word uh, creature was that he called it. Right. <laughs> and the bottom line, the, the bottom the bottom line is this Russell. Uh, he is starting to make a case for Sasquatch, Bigfoot Sasquatch. They are real, according to him. And he represented who? He represented uh, a government. Yeah. And uh, this was an Ivy League um, member of academia, very learned, very understanding of, of life and creatures and stuff like that. Right. He goes yeah. on to say he goes on to say that uh, he was aware that uh, the government was going to uh, come up with these plans to to expand the public uh uh, off-limit lands, or he was going to to he was going to to tell people that that uh, there was plans on the books to expand the uh, wildlife areas, right? In other words, take it away from the public, give it to the wild animals, because uh, these these things in particular need vast vast amounts of territory to live and thrive. Right. Uh, he yeah. closes this out with this. The last paragraph in that document, which I think is the most important part, he says, and he describes the Bigfoot Sasquatch perfectly. He says they're very, very territorial, very loyal to their, to their young, you know, to their kind. And uh, it, it, they take a vast amount of, of, uh, food resources, sustenance to survive. And according to him, man and Sasquatch can never, never exist together. And this is a man that supposedly, allegedly knows. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that is, is very, interesting. Very, I mean, very, very interesting. I mean, if, if you, if you look through history, it certainly seems that the Sasquatch has been able to adapt um, to the changing environment. I mean, when you go back to the uh, colonial times, when, uh, you know, people were uh, moving west, I mean, uh, Sasquatch's uh, uh, home was being uh, overrun by settlers and stuff, and they've had to move on. But they've been able to adapt to... Uh, to take advantage of, of, of what some of the humans do. I mean, they, the Hudson Bay Company talks about losing a certain amount of sheep every year, and they chalked it up to some of the Indian tribes coming in mm -hmm. and getting them. But 
But on the other hand, uh, the Sasquatch could have very easily been the source of, of taking that um, mm -hmm. from those particular outposts. And that, and that goes back to pretty early. But that shows you where they've been able to adapt to the, the outpost bringing in the sheep into that area. And then people are hunting and taking the deer that the Sasquatch normally eats. So he goes mm -hmm. and gets the sheep. So, um, and, and there's just a lot of little things like that when you look through history to see how they've been able to adapt. I mean, the coyote is probably one of the most adaptable animals that I can think of. I mean, they, they can live in a city, they can live in a suburb, they can live in the wilderness and they mm -hmm. eat different foods and just they're just uh, an incredible uh, the ability to adapt and mm -hmm. and that helps the survival of the, of the uh, of the population now you had an interesting question today i noticed when you mentioned something about the population of uh, the sasquatch of what it, what it might look like on the uh, on a graph and uh, you had a mm -hmm. you had a picture of a, a draft over a few years mm -hmm. um, and that would be really interesting to, to look into that, to see how that uh, population varies. But, but, but the main thing I was trying to get across was I think that they can adapt and they've been able to adapt to trading with the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. They've been able to adapt to the gold rush. They've been able to adapt to lumbering, the, the amount of lumbering that went on in the West Coast during those gold rushes. I mean, they took every tree off the hillside and, and cut it into boards to make these these shanty towns for all these miners and stuff. And all of that, you know, took away the Sasquatch's territory and forced them to move on to a different area. Mm -hmm. uh, and there again, they had to adapt to that change because of what the, the miners were doing. So mm -hmm. anyway, I, I'm, I'm rattling on here. So. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I, I, uh, I hear what you're saying, Russell. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember that thread posting and, um, a lot of times people will ask me, uh, what do I think? How many Sasquatch Bigfoots do you think there are? Well, I, I don't like answering that. I shy away from it when I can. Right. I'll avoid it any, any chance that I get because I don't know. I right. don't know. And you, and you look know. foolish. Yeah. You look foolish when you try to answer something like that. Um, right. And I mean, because you don't have anything to go from. It, no, there's no starting no. point. There's no number. There's no nothing to, to start from. Um, so you, you can't. I mean, you can estimate based on their body size, how many calories they may need. You can do things like that. But to try to to estimate the population nationwide or North America or whatever you want. It was, it was, it was, you're throwing darts at a dartboard. I mean, that's what you're doing. Um, let me, let me just, it's, let it's me, very difficult to, let me, let me draw this picture. Uh, in another, in another posting, I showed, I showed BFRO in their, in their website showing Michigan with 225 Bigfoot reports. Are you kidding me? I'm looking at I'm looking at my research. One thousand one hundred and forty forty eight. I think that's what I got right now. One hundred forty eleven hundred forty eight. Any in any event, that's almost one hundred percent difference. That's that. I mean, 
whatever you see uh, on a website, multiply that a hundred times. And that'll give you a figure. You're from West Virginia. I don't know what BFRO shows for West Virginia. I, you know, that's a this this is a, an enormous project. So I can't memorize each state, but uh, do you happen to know what BFRO shows for West Virginia? No, I don't. I'm I'm actually in Virginia on the western part of Virginia. But, okay. But no, I'm not familiar with what the numbers are from the BFRO. Okay. Well, the BFRO well, was, is, is, was an interesting concept when it first came out and uh, exactly. started uh, doing what it does. But um, some of the information that's passed on more recently is not so helpful. Put it that way. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever it shows for Virginia, multiply that by a, by a hundred. Okay. And that'll give you a, a pretty good, I think, because I'm seeing this with a lot of different uh, states and provinces in Canada. Right. North America is what I'm looking at. I'm from Michigan. I, I do a Michigan database. I do uh, U.S., Canada, North America database as well. People ask, how come I don't do Mexico and South America? Because it, it's only me. I'm the only one right. doing this. I can't do <laughs> yeah. the world. But uh, yeah. what I find, I find some vast, vast discrepancies in the figures, in the numbers. And um, yeah. because and, of that, I, you know. And I think when you when you look at those numbers, um, to try to say, you know, that you're going to put this number forth as what there is, I think you have to look at the terrain that you're dealing with, too. Now, you know, the Jefferson National Forest is in Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee. It's a big place. Mm -hmm. um, there's no doubt there's family units living in that area. The Smokies in North Carolina is big. There's, there's going to be more of a population, I would think, based on that type of terrain, would be similar, you know, to uh, Upper New York State. Um, there may be some comparability, compatibility there with the the amount of wilderness type land or Maine. Maine would probably be even more. And when you start mm -hmm. looking at Canada, you're looking at thousands of acres mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, wild prop, wild land that could be a, um, a a viable living arrangement for for the Sasquatch. Now, now, like you know, I'm not sure they live there year round, but but regardless, it's like. So I think when you take a number like that to to put it out there, I think you want to keep in mind the the terrain certainly mm -hmm. would play a role in maybe affecting that number. Mm -hmm. Well, what I what I do is I look at the reports, right? With with there was a reason why why these reports were made. So, if if um, if there weren't a vast number of those in population, there wouldn't be that many reports anywhere. I mean, because I don't think these things are time travelers. I don't think that they can zip from uh, Maine to California. No, in a blink of the eye. I've never read that. I've I've never read anything or any or or uh, learned of anybody uh, putting forth that kind of that kind of uh, message. I don't right. think they're time travelers. If they're not no. time travelers, 
then there has to be there has to be that many Sasquatches here as well as over there. You look at uh, California, uh, Oregon, Washington, British right. Columbia. British Columbia you're talking is a about, big area. Yeah, you're ta yeah you're talking about well you're talking about probably close to just off the top of my head together collectively those three those three areas. Yeah, that's probably you're probably twenty five percent of North America. Uh, you're talking collectively together. You'd probably have about six to eight thousand reports right there. Right. Just those at that area right there. And in uh, to your point, New York. What I've what I've learned. What I've seen. New York is a very very tiny state, although it's got some of the largest population, doesn't it, of the United States? Mm -hmm. How is that possible? A tiny little state with with such a great, huge, massive population. And yet there's still Bigfoot reports in That's New right. York. Look yep. at Maryland. Well, up, Is Maryland a giant state? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Upstate New York has a lot of wilderness areas. So That's it's like true. that would be the That's that, the ticket there. Mount Marcy up there and isn't that the uh, help me out? What is what is that chain of mountain up there? Uh, Mount Marcy is a big mountain up there. I've been up on that. Um, there's several others, but Adirondacks um, isn't that the Adirondack chain, a mountain chain up there? The Adirondacks. The Adirondacks, yeah. Yes. So so consider consider what you think you know about Washington, and consider Maryland. Compare those two states in size, which is bigger, which is smaller? Maryland. And yet Maryland has a vast number of reports. Can you believe that? Right. And, and of Hampshire's course, if you, if you look at the upper New York state, they're getting, they may get a certain amount of, of, uh, of, uh, migrators that come down out of Canada that come into mm -hmm. that area. Mm -hmm. um, as the weather gets bad up north. So, um, and, and then, you know, I, I think they, they could move as far south as Pennsylvania or out of Canada myself, but mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you know, that's up for, up for discussion too. If you believe in the migration, mm -hmm. which I think they do to some mm -hmm. extent, um, mm -hmm. more or less based on food, but also mm -hmm. the weather would be part of that. But, but that's why that particular area in upstate New York might have some bigger numbers is because mm -hmm. they get the, the group coming out of Ontario, coming down mm -hmm. into Canada, uh, into upper New York state. So, the last the last I read was Maine had the largest forest, forested area, in the state of er, in the United States. Yeah, huge, that would, huge, yeah, dense, that dense, huge. dense forest. Yeah, yeah, Baxter. Baxter State Park, uh, that mountain there, that's the tallest one there in Maine and that whole area. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done a lot of uh, hiking and camping in that area. It's a tremendous wilderness area. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it would be just the same as uh, up in the northern Canada. You'd be mm -hmm. looking at the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was when I was in uh, my wife and I took a vacation out to Boston, we stopped off. Uh, into Boston, I called a friend of mine, a military friend of mine who, who lives in New Hampshire, who drove 
I don't know, three hours to, to see me, meet me and my wife. And um, he was telling me that he was telling me that there was a place in Maine and it's right there on the Canadian border. There's a gift shop or something in, in Maine. People walk in the back door from Canada <laughs> and walk out the front door, you know, no passport, nothing. They're, yep. they're in. I mean, yep. that's, that's migration. That's in Fort Kent. That's where that is. is, that, I, is I've that, heard of that too. You've heard of that Fort too? Kent. Yeah. yeah, that's so well known, Russell. It, it's it's made its way in a book, and some <laughs> some novels and stuff. Yep. But um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And by the way, uh, um, while we were staying in Mass, that's where I called Lauren Lauren Coleman, and um, he was I think he was sick or ill at the time and stuff. But very good. Very good uh, networking, chit chatting, and stuff like that. So, yep, yep. These yep. are he's very the, good. He's 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 in Maine, and uh, he's written mm -hmm. a, a number of books too on the mm -hmm. subject. That's um, um, he's very knowledgeable, and uh, he, he kind of expands more than just uh, Sasquatch. He's he's more mm -hmm. he, he does the whole gamut. Um, yeah, which sometimes I I wonder. I mean, I think sometimes that it's awful hard just to you know, focus on one part being mm -hmm. Sasquatch and then to be working on other things like Dogman and all this other stuff as well. You kind of stretch yourself kind of thin sometimes, I think, but, but yeah, uh, I'm not, it's interesting I'm not that into he that stuff. touched on a lot of those different things. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not into all that other stuff. The creepy no, stuff. I'm not either. That's not me. I'm not the creepy guy. Yeah. I'm not kind of guy. I don't like. I don't like creepy. I don't like creepy, and I don't like uh, roller coasters. Right. <laughs> and I don't like clowns. What does that tell you? Right, clowns too. I'm right. a prude. I'm just a prude. <laughs> but um, uh, the nomads, um, they're also called Bedouins. You know, like in the deserts, you you pack mm -hmm. up on a camel and you and you move on to the next area, right? But the Sasquatch are are the are the ultimate hunter gatherers, really. When you when you think about it, you know they might move ninety miles a day, ninety right. miles a day. Yeah, it's nothing. It's a piece of cake. It's easy for them. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I've got a section in my book I'm working on exactly how they could do that by taking advantage of such things as power lines mm -hmm. um, that can allow them to move around through the country without uh, necessarily being seen quite so much. The Canadian border is another section. I mean, that's a that's a hundred foot swath through the woods that mm -hmm. goes east and west across this country. And it's like that's a highway for something to move along like Sasquatch and not be seen. Mm -hmm. um, there are other things that, you know, the, the, the Blue Ridge Parkway is another access area that gets you from Jefferson National Forest to the Smokies. Um, that's a natural pathway. I mean, all these type of things are natural pathways that uh, railroads there again, some of the Canadian mm -hmm. railroads go through some tremendous wilderness, but there again, it's a very easy place for Sasquatch to move around. And, and, and they certainly are capable of covering a lot of miles. So, mm -hmm. you know, 90 miles, it doesn't seem like a lot, but mm -hmm. um, 
for something like them because I think they can they can do that without any trouble. So mm -hmm. I had reports of uh, not a lot, but I've had reports of uh, uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch sightings riding railroad cars. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that before? I haven't heard of, heard that. I know they do they do walk. I've got a lot of reports. Mm -hmm. where people have seen them on the on the oh, railroad yeah. tracks oh, yeah. or the right of way or whatever but i've never heard of them being on one of the yeah. cars mm -hmm. possible um, i suppose they adapt <laughs> they yeah, adapt they do. yeah they do um at one time uh at, at one time in our history you know uh that sector of society, the homeless people, they were called hobos. Right. And that's their, that was their mode of travel. Right. Of yep. course, fugitives and, and homeless in that particular time in our history, uh, that's how they, that's how they made their rounds through the country. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hitching a ride on the trains and stuff. But there was also reports of hobos clearing the, clearing the railroad cars because of something, you know, on the, uh, in one of the cars or something. I haven't got a lot of reports on that, but I also got reports probably by the hundreds uh, uh, involved in railroads, some type of railroad, railroad collisions, railroad sightings, uh, a report by a uh, railroad engineer talking about in the middle of a thick, heavy snowstorm blizzard, uh, seeing um, a whole family of these things um, wrapped wow. up uh, walking the railroad tracks like, you know, like 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 a population of people fleeing a, a country or something, you know, in mm -hmm. a time of war. But uh, what was interesting about that particular report was was he said that all of these uh, Bigfoot Sasquatches had their hair braided, you know, dreadlocks. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Something to do with, um, um, it was theorized that the, the, the way that they braid their hair, and it's always been suspected of them braiding hair of, of horses and stuff, you know, the yep, mane. I've heard that stuff. before. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Horses, mane. Yep. Yes. And, um, the theory out there was that uh, in the wintertime and blizzards and stuff like that, they, they do that because the, the long braids wrapped around the head provided warmth, like a hat. Okay. Put the hat, put the hat on. And so that was quite interesting. Yeah. But those are, those are, that's just a, a tiny, tiny, granule of, of reports from railroad tracks. There's lots of them, not by the hundreds, yeah. by the hundreds. And, and that's all part of the research. And when you're looking for stuff that, that you, mm -hmm. you, you kind of stumble onto some things. Um, sometimes I'll be looking in one direction and then I'll run on to something else, which will lead me down a, another path, which will take me mm -hmm. somewhere else. And then all of a sudden I'll see something. And it's like, wow, that's a, that's really, um, you know, pr pr profound uh, that they, they found that piece of information um, and, and got it out there. But I, it wasn't what I was looking for, but it's where mm -hmm. I ended up. So mm -hmm. sometimes you find some interesting stuff that way about uh, all that, all different aspects of them. It's like, 
what they eat so, and how that varies from place to place and what they traded with the Indians. I mean, mm-hmm. we know the Cherokee spoke, speak of trading with the Sasquatch. And, and, the, and the first question everybody asks is like, well, what has the Sasquatch got to trade with the Indians? And it's like, well, the, the, the Sasquatch knows the herbs that the, the Indians needed for their medicine and stuff. Now, whether they taught them or if the Indians taught the Sasquatch or the Sasquatch taught the Indians, somebody at some point had to figure out that these herbs were useful in medicine. So mm-hmm. Sasquatch had the herbs and he knew where to get them and he would he would use that to trade. So that's just a, for instance, mm-hmm. one particular thing that, that they did trade with, but-, uh, but uh, that's, that's, that's remarkable. It is, yeah. Because that gets into herbal medicines. Right. And, and I've read that before. Yeah. The roots, uh, food, food that, I mean, you know, we know coney dogs and stuff like that. These mm-hmm. things uh, look at roots, you know, of, of, of what we would consider an innocuous uh, plants out in the swamp or something. They'd pull them up. And that's food, yeah. you know, and that's food wild for them, onion right? or that's food for them. Yeah. But um, some of the they do uh, do that with cat nine tails, um, Indian potatoes, Jerusalem artichokes. Um, um, uh, um, the big one out in British Columbia that you if you've maybe not heard of is called camas grass. That was huge out there. The Native Americans cherished that stuff. They, they would dig it everywhere. Uh, in British Columbia and use it as trade to other tribes. In fact, the, 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 the tribes talk about other than dried salmon, that was the number one thing to trade for between the tribes. Camas grass was the second most valuable thing to, to trade uh, between the tribes. And it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a large tuber that they would uh, mm-hmm. cook and, and flatten it out and then you could dry it and keep it. But it was it's uh, the University of uh, British Columbia did some work on it, and it is incredibly nutritious. High plant protein um, and a number of other high uh, components uh, when they looked into it and did some scientific testing of it. And I put that in my book, too. So. <laughs> so, so outside of the protein, was there any medicinal value to that? Uh, that particular one was not for medicinal uh, mm-hmm. purpose. That was more for uh, the the calorie, the cal- caloric intake, right? Sustenance, just right. basic sustenance. Right. Yeah, that's but amazing. There, but there were countless uh, um, herbs that were used and traded. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, and there again, that's what the Cherokee did. And some of the the tribes in British Columbia also talk about trading with the Sasquatch. Not quite as many. Mm-hmm. As uh, is, is what the like what the Cherokee you hear quite a bit about the Cherokee, mm-hmm. um, but I That's have a good. couple of books on Native American uh, uh, herbs that are used for medicinal purposes, mm-hmm. which are quite interesting. Um, one of them in particular focuses almost strictly on Vancouver Island, and the the there's like 300 pages in this book of herbs that are all medical medicine type herbs that mm-hmm. come from that particular area of Vancouver Island. It's fascinating that, that the whole book, that's what it's all about. So, um, so and it goes into the- great detail in telling how it's used and so forth by the, by the, uh, the indigenous people of the area and 
and so forth. But uh, so that herb that you're speaking of was native to Vancouver Island, right? Is that correct? Right, right, correct. I mean, I couldn't find it here in Michigan anywhere. Right. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. 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 That um, it was. Uh, what was the name of a? I can't think of the Fraser Valley was a huge area for some of that where that was dug up there again. That happened because of the gold gold rush too. Mm -hmm. uh, they found it. And then, and when the gold rush came into that area, then they ab absolutely started digging it up as well. And, and it's like they, they stripped it all out of there basically um, until it, it took a while to come back. But um, mm -hmm. But but it was also found in other areas of British Columbia, and Vancouver Island was one place that did did have it. But, uh, but uh, there again, it's like the, uh, the 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 whole gold rush thing really made some major changes. And I mean, they brought smallpox to the uh, to the area um, that uh, was estimated it killed almost sixty percent of the indigenous people. Uh, that were living there now how how sasquatch would have been affected by that is a, is a we don't know um but uh, i'm aware of one account where a sasquatch came into an indigenous uh, encampment uh, carrying a juvenile that was sick um i don't know what the sickness was or whatever or, or where it went but the sasquatch was trying to get help mm -hmm. and uh, that was the only only one i'm aware of but so, so I don't really know if the smallpox affected them, but if it did, mm -hmm. then that would have certainly hurt the population on the on in British Columbia for sure. Um, well, that's interesting you say that because I've I've come across a, a lot of reports of of Sasquatches coughing, actually coughing, you know, like people do, like I do, like you do, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, some type of bronchial uh, infection or something. But uh, there's also, on the other hand, and, and that's something I've never looked at. I've never zeroed in on something like that. Mm -hmm. Again, you have to understand, I'm the only one doing this. Right. You're there's 230, There's 235 data sets, different topics. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't do them all, but there's, there's certainly a lot of room for other research and stuff in there. But one of the yeah, things I wanted, and one some of the things, things I, it, it pops up, and it's kind of you 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 look at it, and you, it's like, well, that's kind of interesting. It's like maybe I'll I'll do some work on that, and some days you you'll find something else, and it's like mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting too. It's like maybe I can look into that and see what similarities are around there for that. But uh, mm -hmm. the Albert Osterman case, I mean, he talks about them eating the tubers and stuff that they. They they he describes one of them as a sweet grass that the mm -hmm. one of the juveniles went and would collect every day and and he tossed it to him and he tried it and it was he 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 said it was very sweet and everything mm -hmm. and sweet I grass. believe that was the camas grass because that's mm -hmm. that's what the story is with that it tends to be kind of sweet tasting mm -hmm. and very mm -hmm. uh, obviously very nutritional that they found out when they studied it but. I think that's what they were collecting in their area and, and at that time, along with other things. I mean, um, you know, the cat nine tails, when you yank them out of the ground, um, there's some of the tubers remain on the plant and it mm -hmm. allows you to pull up seven or eight plants 
-hmm. and then carry it back to your encampment. Mm -hmm. It's not like the Native Americans. They pulled it up and then put all the tubers in a basket and carried the basket back to there. So mm -hmm. the Sasquatch had to move it as well. But uh, a lot of those plants um, and the camas grass was like that as well. The tuber is quite large. It looks kind of like a, um, a big onion or maybe a, a, um, a garlic or something like that. But they would do the same thing. They just pull them up and they, they tend to grow in this moisture rich ground. So it's softer. Mm -hmm. They pull it up, grab handfuls of it, and that's how they carry it back to their camp. I mean, they got to be able to, you know, they can't just pick a handful and carry them back, you know, five or six at a time. <laughs> they got to make the trip worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I would picture scallions, you know, the scallion onion. Yeah. As, as the tuber, as the thin tuber on the end of those cattails, as yep. you call them. But uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Very, very interesting. So, right. I mean, they get they're gathering this food and they're carrying it back to their encampment, and then they're sharing it amongst the uh, the group, whatever mm -hmm. their, their their group is, if it's two or three or five or six or whatever. So they've got to have some way of carrying it, and that's how I I would perceive them to to do that because it would make it easy to carry it that way. Most of the tubers will stay attached to the root on the plant and, and make it easy for them to carry, you know, a, a large quantity back to their encampment. So. Mm -hmm. So so how does the sweet grass stack up to peanut butter? <laughs> I don't know. I've never actually tried any. Um, 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 you can purchase it. I, I've been cold, but I, I, I haven't looked into it. So I've never tried I, it. I'm told by, by a friend of mine who actually was my police partner for many years. Uh, he's Ojibwa. Okay. That uh, sweet grass is used for ceremonial purposes. Right. Uh, right. And I know, they would, I know. They, they actually would braid it into a braid and then mm -hmm. they actually, uh, it's a smudge, what they call mm -hmm. a smudge, exactly. where they light yeah. it and they, mm -hmm. they use it to, uh, and it has a very sweet smell to it, kind of like, um, I think they describe it as licorice or something, but they, they're mm -hmm. able to to wave it around and, and and have the it's part of a ceremony like you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's called the sweet grass. But that's something different. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as as what what I'm talking about that they you know that they have in British Columbia in such great mm -hmm. amount. I must have some type of uh, native background to me because when I was a little boy, I remember as a little boy maybe four years old, five years old, pulling out grass like weeds. And then there's a soft end and we'd suck on that because it was sweet. It was sweet, like a treat. You know, we didn't have any money. We were very, very poor. And, um, you know, that's just one of the little things that, that I remember, you know, back through the years and stuff. Yeah. The kind of stuff that we did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's very interesting. The different, uh, the different practices and uh, uh, foods and, and stuff like that. That's, that's very cool. Very, very nice. So what's your, what's your uh, endeavor now in, in your book, uh, Russell, where are you going? With well, I'm trying to get it finished up. Um, Ron Moorhead is writing the forward to my book and he's mm -hmm. working on that. Um, 
he's been busy because I know he's been at a couple of shows, one in Tennessee and another one in Texas. So he, uh, he's going to get that done for me at some point. Um, I'm, I've pretty much got it done where I, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I added a couple more pages the other day and sometimes I'll, I'll read a post or something that maybe you've done or someone else has done that gets me thinking about something. And I jump in and do a little research on it and I get another page or two to add to my book. So mm -hmm. I'm about 150 pages right now in my manuscript. Um, and I've got a lot of pictures and I've had to, you know, contact um, the a number of different places to get the okay to use the pictures. I'm, I'm using mm -hmm. a number from the gold rush and logging in British Columbia from a, a mining company that, uh, so I had to go to the Royal Museum to get permission and they gave me permission to use them. And so mm -hmm. that, that was good. But so I, I'm working on all that, getting the final. I'm hoping I can get it to maybe be printed in our end of October, November. I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. So who do you who's your publisher? Are you self-publishing here? I, I haven't. I have not. No, mm -hmm. I haven't decided on that yet or. You know, I have ideas that I'd like to run by them. I need to sit down and talk with somebody and and run. I'd like to make a hard cover. I'd like to have them. Um, the first hundred, I'd like to be signed and numbered. Um, that's kind of mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about um, to start with and, um, and, and see where it goes from there. And mm -hmm. But uh, I tried to make it interesting. I've got a lot of history in it. I've talked about different things that, you know, from pathways through the wilderness that uh, um, Sasquatch may use to things like, you know, the smallpox, how could that have affected him? Um, um, what about something like, um, um, there's, a, there's another disease out there, fibromosis. I've got some of, I've got that written up in my book as well. Um, if you're familiar with the uh, Hoffman film, uh, that is often described, people that have looked at that film and blown it up, described the, the, him have the uh, subject having bug bites on his back. And I don't think that's what it is at all. I think it's fibromosis. And he may have caught it from a deer. Um, deer usually get it. Elk, uh, moose can get it. Um, I've got a number of pictures in my book, and I kind of describe how that could be a possibility that Sasquatch does get that fibromosis and and that it's not uh, um, it's not a death sentence to the animal um, mm -hmm. usually the tumors grow around their eyes or face or something and make them more susceptible to prey animals but other than that um, the disease goes away it's it's a virus that goes away in probably three to four weeks and doesn't affect the animal at all it goes right back to its normal self so um, no, but if, now, if, it, if it shows that Sasquatch could collect that uh, disease from the deer, that may show something about his body chemistry, too, that we need to consider. So, mm -hmm. so where did the, I think they call that zoonosis, when there's a disease that leaps from animal to human. And, right. and if, only if we... Only if we agree, if we agree that uh, Sasquatch are close to human in DNA. Right. So I would agree with that. Zoonosis is that that disease that leaps from animal to man, not man to animal, 
but animal to man. So where did you, where did you learn that uh, this fibrosis uh, came from deer? How did, where did, where did you uh, make the connection? Well, I've, I've actually, I've actually seen it deer brought into a way station when I was a deputy warden and mm -hmm. uh, they had the, they had those tumors on them. Um, mm -hmm. And so I looked into it and uh, if you look into the U.S. Forest Service, they have a, a, a file of a number of photographs that show the tumors on different deer, um, uh, moose, um, really? elk, um, some rabbits and squirrels are also known to get it. Um, but it's supposed to not be transferable to humans. That's mm -hmm. what the, the uh, I did some research and I believe it was, uh, I'm not sure if it was Yale University or right off the top of my head, one of those Ivy League schools anyway, um, have a veterinarian uh, department and they did a lot of work on it. And I got a lot of information from them directly to uh, put in my book about that um, and how they talk about it. It's transferable basically with mosquitoes and fleas and that's how it's typically transmitted. But it's supposed to not be transmittable to humans according to mm -hmm. what they claim. So. Mm -hmm or ticks or something like that. Right. Some, yeah. some type of insect. So you, uh, earlier you said that that was Hoffman, the Hoffman photo. Right. The, the Hawk, uh, Hoffman tape. Yeah. Okay. It shows, so it shows a Sasquatch walking towards a, um, a big red pine tree or something and they blew, blew it up. And when you blow the picture up, you can see these bug bites or what they call yeah. bug oh, bites yeah. on his back. I, if um, if but if I knew you were going to talk about that tonight, I would have shared the photo with with the oh, listening I, audience. <laughs> I've got it. Well, well, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, uh, but I also seen another another photo. I don't know if it's the same one. I don't know if it's a companion photo of that. I thought it was. I didn't think it was Hoffman. I thought it was some other some other name with an H. Um, but this one was thick, very black, thick haired, very muscly, uh, walking up to a tree, walking ne next to a tree. It didn't look like the same one from that, from that photo with the fibrosis scabs. Right. Yeah, um, it may have been, a, a, I think it was a different, different one, um, a different piece of film. It's not the mm -hmm. same, not the same film, um. The, the the photo the photo that that has that I remember that has the scabs right the blisters um, that was actually from what I read that was actually a subject of of a court fight a court battle really yes and one person said you know that you know that was my photo and somebody said ah you know I'm gonna post it they went to court fought over it and the judge said it doesn't belong to anybody it's just up there you know it doesn't belong right. to anybody that's the way yeah. it is you know and that's you know uh, i've had you know a lot of people uh float stuff to me and somebody says val do you know where where that was taken no a lot no. of times i don't yeah and you know i i've been i've been in the business of uh, interviewing confidential informants, mm -hmm. confidants and stuff like that for so right. long that, um, there's some things that you learn, uh, if, if it's offered to you, 
um, then you take, you know, if it's legitimate, right? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll share it. Thank you very much. But if, um, but I won't squeeze and I won't push and I won't prod, you know, where did this come from? Who, you know, people, Hey, you know, don't ask me these questions. That's right. Do you, right. you want to share it or not? Take and the somebody, photo on, on its own merits and, and yeah. just, uh, just yeah, look at people, it, examine it, and yeah. go from there. Let people look at it. Now, now if it's if it's posted online, uh, like, for instance, my photo, I put my photos online. Right. Yep. And, I, you know, I seen it in that uh, Pine Trust. Somebody had okay. posted up. I mean, they didn't ask. I didn't care. It's, you know, hey, it is what it is. You post it online and, and uh, you have no control over that at that right. point. Right. That, so. That's correct. And and I think it's, you know, you're also looking to educate. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. whole purpose of what we're trying to do here is educate, write a book. You know, I'm trying to throw all this stuff in there and it's all interesting. It's all part of the picture and mm -hmm. let you read through it and then make your make your own um, um Make you your know, mind thought, thought yeah. process based mm -hmm. on what what you just read. I mean, you know, it may stimulate you in some way that you can look at something and and you're going to find out something that I didn't see or or I missed or mm -hmm. something. So it's it's all part of the you know we have to look at it as an educational process. This whole you know research thing is like you know, that's what it's about is trying to, and I, and I like to get stuff and, and then post it on the different things and let people see it and comment mm -hmm. on it. And some comments are good. Some are not so good. And, and then other people, it's like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And, and mm -hmm. I, I decided to look into that and here's what I found. It's like, mm -hmm. so that's, that's how the whole process gets started for mm -hmm. um, getting people to, to jump in and think about this stuff. Yeah. It's uh when I I go back and I look at the threads that I post, and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff is posted there to provoke thought. Right. Right. Not that's, necessarily that's exactly what it is. Not necessarily interest, but provoke thought to get right. someone to think. You know, hey, wait a minute. You know. Yeah, I left a long message on one of your posts today. So. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't been. You know. Um, <laughs> You, you know, when I am reading and look, this is football season. I that's love right. football. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. I mean, that's I'm me. sorry. The New England Patriots. Yeah. Yes. Yes, me. I'm sorry football. I don't have a Kentucky football team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go to Tennessee. I hear they have the Tennessee Titans down there. There you but, go. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's – I mean, that's – to me, uh, that's fallish. It's ritual. I mean, ritual in a good sense. Um, that's, that's what I do. I read and then towards the end of the night, I really, really don't want to chit chat with people. I mean, right. I, 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 you know, chit chat all week long on the fit on the phone. Right. And, uh, 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. I really, really just want to wind down and, and read. Yep. Give me some time for my Bible. Give me some time to read. Um, right. I want to read, I want to catch up in the sports, what happened, what's new, you know, uh, yep. I want to know, I want to, I want to look at this, this research that I'm doing. I've been working on this, you know, this information, uh, yep. the kind of stuff that I do, 
with the databases and stuff. So I don't have a whole lot of time in between that and family, you know, family commitments. That's right. first and foremost to me in my life. Right. Uh, I don't have time. I don't have a whole lot of time to do anything else. And and I'm yeah, grateful for that. It's the same way for me, too. I mean, some yeah. days are more than others. And some days I feel better than others. I, I have Parkinson's disease. And, and so it, it, you know, affects me somewhat what I can do with the computer. Some days I can't run the mouse on the computer at all. And other days I'm pretty good with it, but um, you know, so I can do my research and, yes. and stuff like that. So, but I, I have to tell you, Russell, you're, you're, you're a blessed special man. <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> grateful. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to meet you. Yeah. Really it's am. been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. the, the time that we chit chat on the phone, it was good. It was cool. Yep. Um, I missed the opportunity to, to, uh, uh, chit chat face to face with you, uh, because I was, you know, sick or something. Yeah. If you were sick last time I was yeah. on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I missed I that. had to fill in for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sure did. I hear you did, you a, did good a good job. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it. But uh, yeah, everything everything that you brought here tonight was very very special. I I, I enjoy that, Russell. And um, look at me, I'm, bro. I'm glad you enjoy it. I, I'm happy to be on the show, and and I'm always uh, you know interested to talk to other people too, and get ideas and get <laughs> thoughts, and that's how it all starts. And it's like so. Well, that's that's the way it that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Absolutely. From my from my heart, I, I thank you. For, for coming on here and and to chit chat with us this is a this is a cool little group here yep, and everybody absolutely. out there listening and stuff it's 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 very good i i really i really think you're a special man and keep up the work we'll, and looking we'll forward I'm, I'm, yeah we certainly absolutely. will and i'm very yeah. excited i'm very excited for you and and when your book comes out make sure that you let everybody know oh absolutely yep cool. i will for sure and, and then, you know and then, we can get together. Just give me a holly. You want to get together some other time on the show? We'll talk mm -hmm. about something else. And yes, and, yep, absolutely. I'm happy to happy to do it. So mm -hmm. very cool, very good. All so. right, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap from coast to coast around the world. Y'all have a great evening. We'll catch you on the next show. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's a grizzly. Should we get out of here? No. We're gonna watch and listen. Action. It's a grizzly. Oh, ship, should we run? 
<laughs> no. Action. It's a grizzly. Oh shit. Sure, you run? <laughs> okay. It's a grizzly. Are you sure it's not a chipmunk? It's a grizzly. Oh, money huh. Maybe it is a chipmunk. Oh, it's a grizzly. Oh, Are we gonna die? I don't know. We're just gonna sit here and listen and watch. Let's get out of here, maybe. Oh! <laughs>